Hi everyone, it's Dan Duva, radio play-by-play broadcaster for the Golden Knights. Welcome to SLGND, the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Lots of questions to address on this episode. Chiefly, what's up with the Golden Knights and how do they get it going? We lay out the issues and potential solutions. We spotlight Alex Tuck's recent play and the consistency from the line of Carrier, Belmar, and Reeves. Nate Schmidt is back with the team practicing. What will his impact be upon returning to the lineup November 18th? And what will be the impact of Eric Howler's injury? We've got your mailbag questions too. Shane's socks, Dave's singing, and plenty more on SLGND, the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, presented by the D Hotel. And now, here's Dave. All right, Dan, do That's my favorite part of the whole thing. I am some guy named Dave, Dave Gosher, Shane Knighty, Gary Lawless, Dan Duva, the Sheriff Lawless, some guy named Dave podcast coming to you from the great steakhouse here on Diamo at the D Hotel, the official downtown hotel of the Vegas Golden Knights in our little corner booth table for four as uh, the Golden Knights right back home after a long road trip, played six out of seven on the road, but just back after a four gamer and figured what a better time to, uh, to kind of catch up on what this team's doing about five weeks into the season. And not where they want to be, to say the least. The Golden Knights, as we speak, they're four points out of a playoff spot, but they're also just four points out of the basement in the Western Conference, coming off losing three out of four on the road trip. What's the deal, fellas? Sheriff, we'll start with you. What's wrong? How are they at this spot right now, you know, 18 games into the season? What's led to it, do you think? Well, obviously, there's been some key pieces out of the lineup, but that aside, they just haven't been good enough. Uh, that's what it comes down to, uh, you know, the wins and losses when you look at it and you're three games below 500. You haven't won enough games. Why haven't you? Well, sure, they should have won some of those maybe. Maybe they should have had a better fate on a few of the games. But still, the reality is they haven't been consistent enough in their play. And that's what it comes back to. There's been some glaring errors defensively, uh, offensively. Uh, they haven't been able to produce enough. They've had chances. We've seen this great stat of outshooting teams and their, their shot differential. It's amongst the league's best. I'm not sure where their grade-A chance uh, mark would be, how, how high that rates in the league. But... Uh, it boils down to me you need to be better if you're not winning and that's the reality of it they've got to find a way to a man and as a team to be better and I think that's kind of what Gerard Gallant said after the last game in Boston and that's the reality that's something and the message in that room they know that the guys have to have to take it upon themselves this is up to them Uh, nothing's changed from the coach they haven't changed any of the systems they just haven't been played as well uh the read and react has not been as good they have not been as quick uh this team was known as quick and hardworking. relentless last year was the words well this year i think their quickness sure they still have the same speed but that to me plays to their reads their reads have not been quick enough in all areas of the ice especially the defensive zone and because of it they've been off the read on the first check has maybe been off the second one is not there they used to be able to defend in layers uh you know if a mistake was made the second layer would cover it up all those little details to the game are missing right now uh i think they're not far off from finding again but that has to happen quickly lawman what say you why are they at where they're at well everything shane just said is 100 percent correct the one thing that i think they can control and that is their work ethic. And last year, wherever we went, you guys, every coach or scout or whoever we talk to when we get into an opposition rink, we hear the same thing. Boy, I watched them last night. They're the hardest working team in the NHL. And they're not the hardest working team in the NHL this year. They still work hard. They're not the hardest working team. And it's not, uh, you know, it's not one piece of the team. It's the whole team. I'm sure there are certain guys. Ryan Carpenter. I watched him the other night. That's that's what he brings. He brings effort, right? And uh, I don't think it's changed on his level. But we've heard it. It's, it's not the guys that know this better than anyone else are the players, and they tell us this all the time. You go in there after a game after they've lost, and you hear the same thing from Belmar, Marcia, so uh, Carlson, Smith, whoever it might be. We didn't work hard enough for 60 minutes. And that's uh, like, you know, you can go, you can dig down the rabbit hole on the analytics all you want. And all it, te- it just tells you what you already know. 
that <laughs> they don't hit the net enough. Uh, yeah, they get a lot of shots, but they don't think they get enough shots from the from the from the really hard areas, and that's getting to that. You know, who goes to the net on this team? Will Carrier, Alex Tuck has started to bring a little bit of it lately, but not enough guys. It's just it's like, and that's what is that? That's effort. That's will and desire. And uh, you know, someone said to me, "Oh, they miss James Neal. James Neal has got hasn't he's got one point in his last eight games." He got benched the other night, the third period. Spent the whole third period on the bench with the Calgary Flames. So uh, maybe they miss James. He misses them too. You know what I mean? But like that's not the answer. To me, it is... Ryan Reeves said it the other day. He goes, we think we're more skilled than we are. And Shane played on a lot of teams that won a lot of games. Really good teams in Ottawa. Really good teams in Boston. And they had guys at the top of the, of the pyramid that brought work boots uh, they, yeah, they had they sculptor's hands, but they were wearing work boots. And that that got them to conference championships and to Stanley Cups. Well, that's what makes... Just look at the team we just played. You know, Patrice Bergeron is leading the league in points. You know, that point, he's the hardest working player and a little bit of skill behind it. Yeah. And that's, that's what makes elite players, elite teams. You know, you look at it, Dan, and I didn't look at it after the Boston game, but before they were last in the league, goals for goals against five on five. So... You know, their power play's been a little bit better, but it didn't do much in the Boston game. It did okay in the first couple games of the road trip. Uh, the second and third games, I guess, of the road trip. They're good in spurts, yeah. which isn't good enough. No. They're good. You know, you look, and let's kind of break down the trip a little bit. It, but it was a microcosm of how their season's gone. You know, they, the Ottawa game, they're terrific. They build a 3 nothing lead. All of a sudden, they relinquish the lead. Montreal, the first period, great first period. First 26 minutes are great. They're up 2 nothing. And then a mental mistake, bad turnover, and all of a sudden they're down 3-2. to two. I didn't think they had much going in the Boston game after the first period, but they were down 2 nothing. So it's there's segments of games, they're pretty good. But then the segments of games, they're not. And it just kills them. Mistakes, mental mistakes, as Shane's talked about, end up in the back of their net. And that, that you know, I think we've all, and it starts with them. They've heard enough of, we out-shoot teams, we out-chance teams. You know, it was a Bill Parcells out of the line. You're, you are what your record says you are. Jay Knighty's got a good line for that one, too, eh? You know what stat I like? The score at the end of the game. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they, keep, they keep track of wins and well, losses for a reason. This, and, Dan, you, we all can answer this, but remember last year, I think the biggest thing, you don't control a game for 60 minutes. People got to remember that. We say, yeah, they've got to play complete. Well, a complete 60-minute game, you are not going to control. There's some pretty good players on the other side. There's paid. some pretty good teams. What they did better than anything else last year in these last couple games, especially the Montreal and Ottawa game, last year, Matt, remember how they would respond. They, we always say unfazed. They did not get rattled. Well, this year, they have not been able to respond to that adversity, to those big mistakes like they did before. And that might be maybe the biggest difference because they would overcome that and get back on track. This year, it just snowballs in the wrong way. Well, we're going to get to Nate Schmidt later on, but I do want to ask this, and I'll start with Shane. Like, what does his, to me, his absence, it doesn't just, you don't just lose his 23 minutes. You force other players to play higher in the lineup and to play more minutes against a higher quality of competition. When the top, when you bite, take the head off the snake, you kill the snake, as they say. How big a loss has Nate Schmidt been? <laughs> Look at the record. Uh, <laughs> it, it's obvious, and I think we've seen it. Other guys have been elevated, and when they do, when you take, it's not, we'll get more into Nate Schmidt later. I think, you know, yes, he would certainly help him. To what degree? We can't really truly tell. Find it on Sunday. It's. You know, I think he brings more than just on the ice, and maybe that's the biggest thing, Dan. And I think that the guys who are stepping in, I mean, Colin Miller, who uh, has to fill in that time, right? How, how is he going to handle those minutes? Um, how is he matching up against, you know, the best opposing players? And we hear the refrain, to your point you made a moment ago, Dave, when you ask the players the question you posed to all of us, what's the problem with the Golden Knights? How many times have we heard a player say, oh, we've got to play a full 60 minutes? We've got to play a full 60 minutes. Now, number one, that's a very generic answer. Number two, <laughs> there's only one player out there who's on the ice for 60 minutes, and that's the goalie. Yeah. You know, what are you doing with the, say, nine or ten minutes 
Will Carrier gets. <laughs> to me, he has absolutely maximized his 8, 9, mm-hmm. 10 minutes. But what about the 24 minutes a Shea Theodore gets? You know, not everybody is playing 60 minutes except for the goalie. And only once in a while are you going to get that game-saving, incredible performance from a goaltender. Flurry's got two shutouts. He had four all of last year. They did pretty fine last season, even if they didn't have shutouts night in, night out, like, say, uh, some other goaltenders in the league. It is pretty amazing how you take a player and he can be really good for 16 minutes, and then you put him into that 20-minute zone. You just add, you know, add how many shifts, you know, add five, six shifts to his night, and all of a sudden, those shifts become goals in the back of your net. It's 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 amazing. And it, it's to the other point, Gary. Why are they where they're at? They had a very difficult time staying healthy, yeah. and that's all part of it. And look, you know, we were in Boston the other night. They had, I think, the three, whole right side, the whole defense. right side of their D was out. Um, and you know, nobody wants to really hear it, but it is a reality. You pull Paul Stastny out of the lineup. You pull Patriotti out of the lineup. It doesn't look like Eric Howell is going to play anytime soon. Yeah. Derek Anglin missed games. Alex Tuck missed the first eight games. She, um, Nate Schmidt hasn't played yet. Cody Eakin. Cody Eakin missed games. You know, it's a reality of where they're at. You know, you can make an, the argument, and, and it's a good one, they, they missed Marc-Andre Fleury for two months last year. And they were able to over, overcome it. And they had guys kind of in and out of the lineup a little bit. But there was nothing compared to what they've dealt with the first five weeks of the no, season. No, and, and a big factor there is this is an organization in its second year. So what you have in the American League is a mix of depth guys, veterans that McPhee has cobbled together, and then raw, raw prospects. Like Winnipeg runs into some injuries. They've, they've had seven years to build that their farm system, and they've got depth. They've got guys, you know, they just lost uh, uh, somebody, and they were able, they had a choice to call up Sammy Niku or uh, what's the other kid? The kid Tucker Pullman. Or Tucker Pullman. What, like, you know, these are guys that, bang, are ready to go in your lineup. They've got Ross Levick, they've got Patan, a bunch of guys, if they if they lose at the top of their lineup in terms of offense, they can elevate guys. Vegas doesn't have that rate. They don't have that luxury yet. That's It's just, that is, McPhee did great in the expansion draft, and he's done fine in the, uh, in the amateur draft to date. They're just that depth uh, as an organization just uh, isn't there yet, and that's the reality of being a second-year franchise. So we've laid out what's wrong, why they're where they're at. Yeah. So the question is, and I asked you this late in the game the other night in Boston, Shane, on on TV, is how do you fix it? And I know you kind of touched on. Look, it's got to come from within that room. There's no saviors walking through the door. It's got to come. The answers have to come from within. I think for me, they've got to defend better. It, you know, go, sure, the goals aren't coming. You've got to find a way, and I think that's about getting to the hard areas. This is about getting back to their work, and, you know, maybe I hear a little bit more when I'm between the benches, especially in that Toronto game, and I, you could hear guys stick to the system, play our system, work. Um, you know, so they're maybe getting away from it right now, and that tends to happen in adversity, right? That's that's the true test. Who can stay the course when you're being when when you're facing those type of problems when you're facing those issues when you have to jump a few hurdles who's going to stay the course uh, you have to work through it not individually that's the other thing you have to stick together as a team guys start trying and you see it in some games when they're starting to chase it you see these individual efforts and that throws everything probably more than anything on the power play right when they start trying these breakouts and one and up and they're not coming up as a unit so this is on them in the room i think they've got to defend better i think there's still too many glaring errors they're good for chunks but it's overall it's consistency consistency is what breeds a successful hockey team that ability to be consistent throughout play the right way work hard work smart more than anything you can go out there working, running around 100 miles an hour, but if you have no purpose to your game, it's not going to do you any good. And Shane, I'm totally in agreement, and some folks will look at the numbers and say, hey, the goals that they're giving up in terms of just numbers, not too far off they're, from last no. year, right? It's the goals they produce are way off from last yeah. year. But, but, as you have heard so many times, whether it's in midget hockey or in the NHL, strong offense comes from strong defensive zone play. And we heard Mike Kelly talking to us about retrieving the puck and when they're getting out of their own zone with speed 
the transition game leads to so much of that offensive production. So it has to start in the defensive zone. And we saw that so often last year. They enter with speed. They're punching the other team in the teeth. The other team doesn't know what hit them. All of a sudden, the puck's in the goal. Now it seems so much more deliberate and tentative. And they're, Gary, you've pointed it out so many times on the radio, especially with Marcia So Carlson and Smith. They step up to the blue line. They don't quite enter yeah. cleanly, and then they're forced to the outside, and then the shots that they get are low-percentage shots. Yeah, they're puff puck decisions, they, right? They have turned the puck over at the offensive blue line I don't know how many times. And uh, I respect Gerard Gaunt and his approach to not, you know, not force them to dump the puck. And it was interesting, though. We were in Toronto, and Mike Babcock was asked about, you know, something about his offense, and he said, well, we need – we need space. And he goes, and it's real obvious where the space is. It's behind their D. And what he was saying is, we need to dump the puck in more often. And they, uh, it is, it's not on the radar for those guys right now to, to dump the puck in. And that the fourth line, or the so-called fourth line, whatever you want to call them, they don't even think about entering the zone and making a play. They carry a, and they've become so adept at it. They find a soft spot, they put it there, and they time it so that the D don't have a chance to flip, turn around, and move it back. They, they're, they've become very proficient on where they dump the puck in, and then dislodging it, disrupting, and creating offense from that. My question to that is, Gary, because of the physical play from Carrier, from Reeves, and even Belmar, they seem suited to that. Uh, maybe the second line, Alex Tuck can work hard down low. Can Marcia So, Carlson, and Smith be as effective given their size? No. No. But this all goes back, yes, a lot of turnovers. I don't think they're coming through the neutral zone with the speed. Why are they not right. coming? They're missing, you talked about exits. They're, they're miss, we say they're missing their best defensive defense. They're missing their best exit yes, defenseman yeah. great, out of their point. zone. Right. Nate Schmidt cuts the playoff quickly and breaks it out cleanly. Their best retrieval guy. Correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of times, if you're watching the game... And he bro- plays with them, and too, Shea right? Theodore could be, Shea Theodore could you know, go past him in that category, but he's right Not now, yet. he's he's learning the position through some errors. And it's one of the aspects of the game especially for someone new to the game. That's the moment when you might go have a sip of your beverage, go bite some nachos. That's a critical moment that I'm sure a lot of people overlook because, well, the other team dumped it in or they're they're just trying to get it in, nothing's happening, and there's a line change going on. But that's that critical moment that a lot of people miss. And I think when you guys are looking at replays on TV, we're watching, and it's something for the folks at home when they're watching the game Who's going back to get the puck, and who, where is he looking? Where's the puck support? What happens next? Well, a little inside Golden Knights. Uh, when Dan, From the insider. When, From the insider. When, when Dan and I are watching the game, we'll see something happening on the ice, and then often I won't see it in real time, and then Shane will be telling the truck, replay that so that and he's it's before he gets the telestrator i figure out what shane is gonna <laughs> tell the listener at home Thanks, and then i sneak it in on the radio i'm like oh yeah he did this so it's uh, it's like it's like being inside the mind of of the, the, well, the hockey mind of shane what Ryan. a place that is to be <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's only good to be in during a game <laughs> yeah i wouldn't want to be there after a bourbon or two but oh. uh, uh no i'm just kidding it's it's really it's actually it's kind of cheating when you're i'm not a former player i don't see the game anywhere near Lee is um, instinctively and that's, that's smart. That's as, as what you're supposed to do is, <laughs> is feed off that. <laughs> but it's uh, it's pretty awesome, anyways. Well, so we touched on that the Carlson line. Um, what do you do about it? You know, Gerard Gallant's kind of he's he's tinkered with it. He's broke it up. Trade them all. You know, do you <laughs> is, is it worth taking a look at Alex Tuck up there? Uh, you know, Marshall's had a good start. You know, his numbers are. Yeah. But you yeah. know, do you do you flip wings on? Well, you know, he's he tried that. Fl- he's flipped the other side. Right. Let's he flipped get Marshall and he flipped Patch already. Let's get Nate Schmidt back so, with him for a while. Yeah. You leave it be until Sunday, right? Turk. A lot of coaches by now would be they'd all the hat throw all the names in a hat and start picking them up. Yeah. I think. You know, Gerard Gallant's a type of guy that really trusts his players 
to work out of this. He he wants to give them every chance they can to be successful. We saw that last year, and that's what guys feed off of. That's why they love playing for him is the trust he gives them. So we may see some tweaks, but I wouldn't be surprised if he sticks with them, lets them try and work through this. And it's worth noting that they did tweak the power play unit with Pacioretty and yeah. Theodore, or pardon, uh, Pacioretty and Miller moving to the, the first unit and Theodore and Carlson moving to the other unit. And what happened? They scored four power mm-hmm. play goals on four chances. You pointed out, Dave, not uh, as great as they'd like against Boston, right. but that at least got them jump-started. And, and well, Carlson still with just one even-strength goal, and now he's got a few on the power play, and he's collected three points in that one game, and maybe that's the kind of spark, if you don't change the lines at even-strength, maybe just a little spark by maneuvering with the personnel on the man advantage. Well, and it's interesting, too, with, with the injuries they've had to Stastny and Pacioretty and now Hollow, like that... that, that <laughs> That whole that's what they envisioned to be that second line. Yeah. So if you're the other team and you know it is nights, I mean you do your pre scout and you do your meeting before the game. Right now, by and large, I, I know Tuck and, and Patch are back, but you know, shut down that top line as best you can and then take your chances. Right? The, that secondary right. scoring has not really you know, Tuck's Tuck's got a real good, what's it, eight points in nine games that he's played. But, you know, Pacioretty, two goals. The third, the so, let's just, for the sake of argument. I don't think you can, don't right. number them. Let's do this. Nosek, Carpenter, Hika. That was the, whatever line number you want yeah. to put on them, combined as one goal. Well, and that came in game one. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the, 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 two, I, I have loved for a game. Yeah, six scored, right? Well, you know what? A long time ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've right. loved what Heek has done. Yeah, but he hasn't produced. Like, and that's so, that is the the reality yeah. of being a call up in that position. Yeah, you have to produce exactly. So I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be against flipping Hika for Peary or Carr I, I'm or McKenzie. One of those guys. Well, those guys are putting up numbers in Chicago. Now, the problem is, is you get into waiver stuff, right? You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. And maybe George doesn't want to lose Thomas Hika and, uh, you know, you might you might lose him on waivers. Well, you probably would. Someone would love to to grab him, and if they have an injury, and see if he can help them out for a little while. And uh, uh, that's that's the problem that you run into in that regard. So. Uh, um, Interesting to see where they go from now. And the other player that we hadn't mentioned that was there was Oscar Lindbergh, who's become a regular healthy scratch. And and right now, with all respect to Oscar Lindbergh, he's not earning his time right now, and that's why he's not in the lineup. And if somebody from the American Hockey League is seeing that, well, boy, hey, why not me? Why not get me up there? I can do just as well on the bench, but I'd like to get in some games. Well, it just to me, it, it, like something has to change. Right, it, it, whatever you want to do. I mean, you can, you can flip Hika for Peary for the sake of argument, or somebody else is putting up good numbers down in Chicago. But something's got to. It's going to need to jolt from somewhere. Now, where they find it, if they can find it, you know, as they kind of head into another busy week here. Well, two games remains to be seen. They'll find something. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Hey, quick reminder by uh, by the way, we're into the holiday season. Um, Thanksgiving not around, just around the corner, about a week and a half away, and and Christmas will be here before we know it. So the Golden Knights doing a canned food drive. Um, you welcome to bring your canned food items, your non-perishable items, City National Arena all this week. So 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. down at City National. And then the game Friday against St. Louis. From 5.30 until the end of the first period, the Golden Knights wives and girlfriends will be on the plaza at T-Mobile. So please help out if you can, bringing some canned food items and non-perishable items uh, down to the game on Friday night. Of course, the Golden Knights have teamed up with Silver Summit and Nacho Daddy. And all the donated items will go to Three Square of Nevada. So uh, Just- canned food drive. Uh, here this week. Just a quick, I, I I thought I was wrong about that, and I was. Hika is waiver exempt, so there's nothing getting on their way from flipping uh, Hika for Peary. It's a good although, correction although, before the fact. Although comes once, out. The once comes out although later. Peary, however, if he, he was recalled. Not, yeah. To send him back, but there's other guys too. Carr and McKenzie are uh, well, are guys that uh, you know are putting up numbers in the American League, and although Hika does put up numbers in the American League as well, he might be that. And you know there are these guys out there. Actually, you know this better than me. Uh, uh, guys that can produce in the American League, but just for whatever reason can't in the NHL. Sure, and we have to mention Brooks Masick, who leads yes. the American <laughs> Hockey League in scoring. He's got 21 points. He's got 14 goals, well, seven assists, Manitoba, what do you expect? 21 points. He's leading the American Hockey League in scoring. Oh, by the way, Daniel Carr is number two. Yeah, you know you've got the top two scores in the entire American Hockey League, and all it takes is a phone call to Chicago. Something, 
Something's going to, you know, and, and as we sit here on a Tuesday, the Golden Knights play Wednesday against Anaheim and then Friday at home against St. Louis, you would think that something would change between now and then, but uh, I guess we'll find out here um, soon enough. Quick reminder for you, the Sheriff Lawless, Some Guy Named Dave podcast, brought to you by Finley Automotive. Finley Automotive, our great friends with uh, Lincoln Acura and Jaguar, um, proud sponsors of the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. I'm, You know, it's funny. I, I pulled into the parking lot here today, and uh, shiny Finley wheels all over the place. Oh, yeah. Dan's Dan's uh, chick magnet mobile and uh, that's right <laughs> the Camaro yes uh, and uh, the T tops Shane's got a great uh, grocery getter from uh, the oh, good folks yeah, yeah you say that but then after I got to I got to take uh, their 2019 NSX sports car. Like? Uh, for an evening, which was uh, it's, uh, it's like, you know basically looks like a Ferrari or Lamborghini. Yeah. It's it's a phenomenal machine. It's a little uh, you know probably uh, I, people are probably too old for it. Maybe am I am I at that age yet? It's lo- I loved it. Uh, yeah. My my son probably was more excited about it than anybody. I could take it, it off your lot. hands. Yeah, it was yeah. a lot of fun yeah. to ride uh, cruise down the strip with the, the Jaguar F Pace that I've been lucky enough to drive around in here. I, I don't understand what half of it does, <laughs> but I'm able to kind of zip around and a uh, little turbo. You can you can fly there and. Um, well, they're great. Finley's uh, been great. Too. Great folks. Great. I'm, I'm glad that you say Jaguar when you're on uh, on the podcast and not Jaguar like you do uh, when you're acting snotty. Yeah, on that's the, right. On the, very British. On the, on the plane or uh, at that's the right. at the pub. Jaguar? Yes. Uh, yes. Exactly. It's uns- he's insufferable, listeners. Yeah. Well, as usual, pretty good ride though. Not a bad, not a bad way to get around. I'm just town. in my comfortable Lincoln as I have been I for know a long you're. time. I know. One you're. of the best luxury vehicles on the road. Thank so, you. <laughs> there's the there's the plug, Alex Tuck. Um, eight points in nine games. Yeah. He's given them a pretty good jolt since he's been in there. What's the ceiling there, Shane? I mean, as you look at his game coming off of you know his first full season in the league last year, missed some games early this year. But where do you where do you see? Can his? I okay, can I preface it for Shane? Because no, this yeah. is the interesting one. I've heard people say he's the next Blake Wheeler. And you guys know Blake. I've compared that since the beginning. Yes, yeah, so yeah. you guys saw sort of the way Blake sort of, you know, stuttered a bit at the start of his career. And then I believe he was 26 when it really kicked in for him in Winnipeg in 2014. He made the U.S. Olympic team. Dan Balsma, for well, that's why Dan Balsma is uh, not coaching the U.S. Olympic team anymore. He didn't use him until the last game. But Blake came back from there and uh, he figured something out while he was there. Has Tuck got that? Is he, does he have that ceiling? I don't know if he has that offensive ceiling. Uh, he certainly has a lot of the same characteristics. When I look, and I, you know, I played with Blake Wheeler as a rookie. What did he have? Twenty-two goals, Dave, yeah. something like that, yeah. uh, right out of college. Uh, but the size, Wheeler's six-five. I think Tuck's six-four. They're both around that two twenty, two twenty-five mark. But what makes them unique is their ability to skate at that size. They can fly up and down the ice. They get down the ice and back in a hurry like nobody else. Both have great hands, long reach, protect the puck. The one thing Wheeler, the biggest adjustment to his game, I think his compete took another level, which is all about growth. That doesn't happen for everybody. Uh, You know, Tuck has the skill. And then Wheeler learned how to be successful other ways on the inside of the game. I think he started more as a perimeter player, but then he understand the details. You know, the the circling came out of his games, the stops and starts, when to get to a point, how to get to point A to be the quickest without the turns, without the little bit of wheel that we still see. And that's something of being a young player that Tuck's going to learn. How quickly he learns it will tell us how quickly he gets to taking that next step in his game. But he certainly has the skill to do it. It's going to be up to him. And that comes with playing. That comes with growth as a player getting better. But he certainly can. When I think when he starts to utilize his body, his size, his reach to get separation, starts reading the ice a little bit better, he is going to start finding the numbers go up because his speed and his natural ability is there. Just to follow up on Blake Wheeler, 21 goals the first year, and it was the lockout year that his goals per game basically doubled. He had 19 goals in just the 48 games. Played every game during that lockout shortened year, but he had 19 goals, which was just a shy of his career high. And the following year, he was right around 30 and has been ever since. And for Alex Tuck, you see that stride. And the play came to mind just the other night. It was in Boston. Tuck's coming through the neutral zone, and you see that long stride. And he's kind of coming up the middle, and Pacioretty is to his left and ahead. 
and Tuck makes a lead pass, anticipating that Pacioretty would be skating ahead just as hard, just as fast as Alex Tuck was. Yeah. He wasn't. And so the pass was too far in front of him. It ended up just going down the boards. Boston takes possession. I wonder, in terms of who's setting the tone, we were asking the question right now for the Golden Knights. It's not there in the way it was, the hard work. Alex Tuck, to me, since he's returned, has been there in terms of the energy and setting an example. You wonder if other guys can can keep up with that. Well, what does every good winger need? What did Blake Wheeler get in Winnipeg? Gary would know this answer that really took it that playmaking 55. center. Yeah. You need a playmaking yeah. center. And this is no slight on you know him playing with Howla or playing with Cody Eakin, but a playmaking. Maybe Stastny's that guy when he's healthy. Yeah, we saw I don't the preseason. Know, but you need a playmaking center yeah. that can find the puck to that guy with speed. Um, you know, it's, it's Alex Stein, and I talked about his reach. I, I don't know if Wheeler uses his body away as good as Tuck does. A guy who does mm-hmm. the reach and his ability to stick check on the way back to intercept pucks is Mark Stone. That stick seems about 20 feet long on the ice. Tuck uses it similar to a Mark Stone. So pretty two good guys uh, to compare him to if he can take those uh, two good assets and put them in one. And per game in limited sample, spot, uh, limited sample size, Alex has doubled his goals per game, points per game, assists per game compared to last year. Again, we're talking limited sample size here, 10 games for him, but he's basically a point per game so far. And I want to see that edge. A little yeah. more edge, a little yeah, more yeah. nasty to his game. He could, his size, right? You, he could open nasty. up some room for himself. It was interesting. There. In Montreal, early in the game, Maybe it was early in the second period. Max Domi started chirping at Alex Tuck and kind of followed him around the ice for a little bit. And I kind of thought to myself, you know, this might be a good time to uh, exert your will. Uh, The other part of it was I was really pleased to see it didn't affect Alex's game at all. And Max Domi is not, doesn't fight a lot. He's pretty good when he does. Yeah, he's, he's had hand- good success. Yeah, he's handy, as they say. Yeah. Uh, his old man was one of the all-time greats in that in that regard. Um, but uh, that that uh, I, I don't think you want Alex Tuck breaking his hand on. on no, some, I'm not talking about. I'm talking somebody's head. No, I know yeah. that. But like, just sort of. You don't need to anymore. Y- yeah, fair enough. But you guys are right. A little bit of. Uh, yeah. Uh, a little bit of a little bit of nasty in his game, and like if Andrew Kane doesn't fight very often, he's ma- ma- he's. Everybody, everybody knows that he will and he can, and he gets out of the lecture. I'm bit not of space. saying he need to be this player, but think of a guy who scored goals and went to the net harder. He's same side of Corey Perry. Yeah. Years have passed him. Yeah. A lot of nasty to his game. You don't need to take it over the line as much as he did, but uh, he had a compete level that, that made him very successful without, was, without the skill level of Tuck. Yeah, it, listen, you may have hated Corey Perry if you were on a different. Uh, different side of the ice, but boy, oh boy, when he was at his best, As a there winger. was a lot to love about that guy's game. It's good to show every once in a while that the wires can get crossed, Yeah, and Steve. you have the ability <laughs> to snap. Steve Larmer uh, it said to me one time, every once in a while, you got to give someone a Sherwood sandwich. And yeah. <laughs> he'd be going into a corner, and he knew he was going to get belted, and he just made sure that his teeth, his stick got right in the guy's teeth. And, uh, you know, it just protected himself a little bit that way. And he was not known as a tough guy. But, boy, he found room to score a lot of goals in the National League. Hey, uh, so the Pacific Division, I guess the one saving grace for the Golden Knights is that the division is very average. You could make an argument maybe below average. But as we sit here right now, they're six points behind San Jose, okay? They're seven behind. Who had Vancouver and Calgary leading the division the first month of the year, by the way? No, no, it um, wasn't me. So they've got some catching up to do. The good news is they play these teams, Calgary and, and Vancouver especially, before the end of the month. Eight of their next ten are in the Pacific yeah, Division. Right, and ten straight against the West, yeah. but eight of the ten yeah. against the Pacific. Um so, you know, it's not like these other teams have ran, you know, they're not tr- dealing with, you know, Nashville in the Central Division that's at 13-3-1. They've got some time to catch up here. But I'm going to wait to, you know, their road record is, they have, what, eight road losses and yep. most in the league. If they're going to, you know, time to turn it around here sooner the better with, with chances head-to-head against teams that are in front of them. That's exactly it. We, I think we discussed this the last time. We talked, well, the Pacific Division. Well, that excuse is going to run out of time very, very quickly. So, you know, the look at the next game. They got Anaheim. That It starts there. That's your Pacific Division. And then you've got one more home game before you're back on the road for three, where we you just mentioned the road record. Eight road losses already this year. 
Uh, they're running out of time, but they've got to they've got to turn it around. You've got to go on a run. You're three games below 500. It's great to say yes to Pacific Division, and thank thankfully that's the one they're in because uh, there there there's a chance to still climb in there. But it, we're talking about now. It, it really is. You're talking about the now. They've been able to have a little bit of a break here. They've got a couple of home games that they've got to take advantage of and try and build some confidence and try and get that game back on track that we're used to seeing last season they've been by and large they've been good at home you know two of their best games of the year they dominated against carolina uh the game against ottawa where they they controlled most of it still had to go to overtime you know but they've played better at home more complete games i guess at home is maybe the, the way to put it um but yeah like you say they're right back on the road before thanksgiving they go on a three game trip edmonton who gave the golden knights all they could handle last year calgary and arizona you know, before before Thanksgiving. So, um, you know, they've won three in a row once all year. Golden Knights. That's it. You know, they haven't been able to get – they haven't been able to gain any traction. Win one, lose two. Win two, lose three. And when, that's why – American that's Thanksgiving's reason. coming up, so they got to go win five because I think that's the big stat from Gary. Yeah. That's you know, the lawman stat. It's not my stat. Well, it's Elliot Friedman. It's actually the Toronto Star yeah. first came up with it, and then Elliot Friedman – kind of uh, it became his baby and actually he's gone back to November 1 uh, according to Elliot um, season's over season's over <laughs> great <laughs> but, pack it up gone fishing <laughs> yeah but uh, well I keep coming back to Gary and I said this to somebody the other day the Philadelphia Flyers lost 10 games in a row last year yeah and they made the playoffs the Bruins were 500 in December yes yeah, for so sure. So there's it's eighty percent, but right. Yeah. So there's that other twenty percent, and the Pacific is the saving grace here. The Pacific is not. Uh, if you're in the Central, you're it's we're, we're <laughs> it's a different story here. You are really really concerned if you're in the Central right now with Vegas's record. They're in the Pacific, and when you went with like with Schmidt being suspended, and then as soon as Statson got hurt, somebody a lot smarter than me in our organization said, "We got to stay in the pack." Until Christmas. Yeah. I think That's, we touched on this last time. You know, last year when they got off to that great start, their goal was to try and stay out of the pack, stay a, stay in yeah, front of everybody. Yeah, yeah. Now they're it, it just try to hang in there as best you can. But, you know, like Schmidt comes back on Sunday. Doesn't look like Howell's going to play anytime soon. I know George McPhee said the other day in a radio interview that that Stastny might not be back until January. Did I, did I hear that? So that's... Yeah, they said two months at the time, and then he said two months... But it, that was like a month ago. Right. Yeah. So somehow you've got to try to yeah. find a way to. And, you know, in the Schmidt thing, just to get back to that, and you, you've touched on it, Shane, just, you know, on the ice, what he brings to it. But, you know, when he, where did he join us? In uh, flight Ottawa? from Toronto Ottawa. to Ottawa, maybe? Yeah, we, the plane, we got on the plane in Toronto. And there he was. And he was on the plane. And his energy. His, yeah. you know, it's infectious. It's, yeah, his it took presence. him 45 minutes to get to the back of the plane. Because every row he had got yeah. to, he had yeah. to stop. And uh, even us, he was giving us hugs. Right. Shake hands, uh, kissing babies. Yeah. That's what he does. Brings a smile was, to your uh, face. It was the Nate Schmidt uh, love fest, for sure. So... To have that back every day, not just you know practice in the locker room where, you know when Mark Andre Fleury missed two months last year, they would tell you they missed him on the ice. They missed him in that locker room, his personality and what he brought to it. It's hard to, you know, either you have it or you don't. And um, you know for the Golden Knights, fortunately, he'll be back you know soon enough here coming up, uh, coming up on Sunday. So the Sheriff Lawless, some guy named Day podcast coming to you from Andiamo at the D Hotel, the official downtown hotel. Of the Golden Knights. Quick reminder for you that the podcast also brought to you by Rock Creek Cattle Company. It's a hidden gem located in the heart of Montana. And this working cattle ranch sits on 28,000 acres of land. that has a little something for everyone, including world-class golf, fly fishing, hunting, horseback riding, and lots more. Escape the bright lights and discover Big Sky Montana. Exclusive memberships and real estate opportunities are available right now. Check it out at rockcreekcattlecompany.com. You touched earlier, Lawman, on the fourth line. I don't really think they're the fourth line anymore, right? Um, do, where do they, you know, the where do they fit into this? You know, they, they create, they took over when Ottawa came back the other night. They came back 3 nothing to 3-3, and then it was that line. They were Carrier with a beautiful goal, and then Belmar with, with uh, the goal that, you know, you can make an argument, was a goal interference, was it not? It turned out it wasn't. But... You know, do they have more to give as a line? Are they can they play at a you know right now they're pretty. I think they're the third line. Well, right they are now, the third right? line. They are. You know, it's funny. I got a text from someone in management just a few minutes ago, and he's talking about the third line, 
uh, and he's talking about them. They're mm-hmm. not the, we still call them the fourth line. They're not the fourth line anymore. They're the third line. And their minutes per night uh, uh, will uh, will tell you that, you know, and especially now that Cody Eakin is playing on the second line, uh, Pierre Bel- Edouard Belmar is a better centerman than what you have with that other group. Uh, just, and what they've produced more. Everything tells you that they're the third line. So sure. that uh, was around this time last year that Carlson Smith and Marcia so became the first line yes. because even when they were put together, they were still the second line. Oh yeah, <laughs> when they sure, yeah, yeah. came together, Peron and Neil were yeah. the, that they were, were always the, yeah. you know whether it was by yeah. reputation or by production that group was at the top of the list whenever Gerard was making out his lineup. They've been they've been their most consistent line all year. Third line, fourth line, whatever number you want to put on them. Yeah. Well, yeah, but. When they're when they're called your third line, right? That's an issue. What does that tell you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, I think I think they're the best at where they are and where they're meant to be, which is that that line that does exactly what they do. I think you know how much offense. We'll see. It, it's been great. I think the fact that they and it's not about offense for that line. It's about generating. It's about the energy they can generate. It's about their ability to be responsible defensively. That Gerard Gallant can leave them out there in a defensive zone face-off against the other team's top line because he trusts them that they can go in. There's not many lines that put the fear in other defenders like they can. They have the strength, the ability to hold pucks probably better than any other line in the league at what they do. They're not going to create a whole bunch. They're going to create what they're creating. That this is it, and, and they're going to chip in, and it's going to be great. But when they're when they're their third line, I think that that speaks to where your depth is as a team right at this moment. Yeah. And that's and because look who injuries. was on the third line last year, who is not on the third line right now. Cody Eakin and Alex yeah. Tuck were regulars exactly. on the third line so last they, yeah, year. They're, they're, that's now two thirds of your second line. Absolutely, well, like you said, the fact that they've been their most consistent line is good and it's bad <laughs> yeah well and it's like you know cody eakin in particular you look at him and he was having a great year on that third line he's not a second line guy anymore and i think that you know in a couple of weeks if he has to continue to play there that'll be something that that is you know kind of an area of concern for you because he play him against the right people and with the right people in the right situations he's going to be productive but it's We've got people in. They've got people all over the lineup in the wrong places. Yeah, absolutely, and that really, you know, eventually, it, you know, you pay a toll for that. There's an expiration date on playing up in the lineup, yeah. and I'll admit it. I was usually a five-six. There was times when I moved up to the four, but top four, even top two. But there's an expiration date before you know. I know it's great that he can fill in, but yeah. you know, this is where you well belong said. to make the team stronger. Everybody has a role, and when everybody plays that role where they belong, that's when you have success. You know, just wanted to point out that as much as we dismiss plus-minus a lot these days, last year we did point it out when Marcia, So Carlson, and Smith were among the league leaders. Yep. Well, right now the Golden Knights have the worst two numbers in the league with Carpenter at minus 13 and Nosick at minus 14. Those are the last two guys in the league in that category, and it's got to be pointed out when it's a good thing yeah. but it's also worth pointing out when it's not a good thing well yeah and the goal differential for the you know the whole team is uh, right it was never sky high crazy last year but it was like you know plus 30 for a good chunk of the year yeah. and uh, what is it right now it's they're in the minus right now six. there's yeah, yeah well they finished fifth in the league in offense last year they're 30th right now in total goals so there you go you know and that's you know it's now 11 of 17 11 of 18 they've scored two goals or less you know they broke through back to back they scored nine goals in two games nine and two which was the the most they'd scored in the two-game segment and then you know they kind of went back to the way it's gone for them in boston uh and on the on the road trip so um you know and you mentioned earlier shane it's a tough combination they're not defending well henceforth there's too much time in their own zone, and then they're not able to score at the other end. So that's not a recipe for success. Well, this goes back to earlier what Gary said. Ryan Reeves saying we got to realize we're you know the skill they're they're not especially with what they have out of their lineup now. So what did they do last year in that? They really took care of their own end first. When they had all those injuries, and which I think made them a stronger team when Flurry got hurt last year. Boy, they clamped it down. They knew they wanted to help out these goaltenders that were coming in without much experience, give them the best chance so they took care of their own zone. They need to get back to that mentality, that outworking the other team, and then hopefully the other end will take care of itself. And by the way, they're minus 10. It was minus 6 previously. No, now it's uh, minus 10, which is fifth worst that was in the Dave league. wrong. In the, in the goal <laughs> As usual. That was, yeah, it was me. Yeah, I said minus 6. It no. had been minus 6. 
It's now minus okay, 10 Dan's after the last game. Okay, I want to correct analogy. myself. Thank Sorry you. about that. Dave, you're all right. Thank you. You Here's know, let's talk about this for a second. Marc-Andre Fleury obviously is crucial to this team. And the way they've been playing him to this point, you know, he's on pace for to play, what, like almost 70 games, I I would think. And, I, like, that's too much work. And, I like, it was funny. You, you watched him against Montreal, and uh, he was he was okay. He was, he was fine. wasn't elite, which is what we're yeah, expecting. Yeah, it's from one him. of those games he didn't like a few of them. Yeah, exactly. And to no. me, the, what's the difference? He's played a lot. And it's, mm-hmm. it's been a busy week. And to me, that would have been the game to have played Subban. And I guess, you know, you want to put your best foot forward because it's Max's return. And it's also Montreal where, you know, Fleury is from. And he didn't play there last year and all those things. Mm. Um, they, they need to get uh, the, the, their combination of goalies. They need to get more from the Well, goal. it's going to start because they got these two home games and they got five and seven. Yeah. Well, and Subban starting in Edmonton, and I know it's a small sample size, right? He, you know, he hasn't won it. He's started three. He hasn't had a win yet. Um, you know, and I think it's a combination of he wasn't Fleury wasn't great in Montreal. They weren't very good in front of him, but that's a game where if he if he can make like the game in Philly this year, they needed him. He yeah. he had to be yeah. great, and, and he was. was. They got forty. The other night he was they got forty points from goalies other than Mark Andre Fleury last year. Right, and the thing is, when those goalies were playing, it was usually they were playing consecutively. In other words, here now, Subban is faced yeah. with a situation where he's playing once every yeah. week or two, and, and that, for a backup, especially I'll try young and backup. Think of a goal you didn't like from Subban in Boston. The first one is yeah. The only the second one was the second one misplay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, I know, I know, but yeah. I'm still saying they scored three others. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. And sure. in, in the in the loss against Pittsburgh, Two others. you know, those were all really difficult situations. Yeah. Breakaway. Yeah. 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 Made the, well he made the glaring error, and everybody hangs that on. But I can handle those. That's just a mistake. Yeah. He made a little hesitation going for the puck. Wasn't like he miffed on a shot coming to the net. Played well in Nashville. Yeah, that was lost. his best yep. game. Yep. That was his best game. Yep. But and still, you need to win. Right. right. And look at what <laughs> he had done last year. What, what, I mean, he was terrific. I mean, he came in and saved the day. Won three straight before he himself got hurt. And then came Dansk and then Legacy. And on we, on we go. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's going to be different when you're not playing game after game after game, and you're going to have to sit for a week. And in these games, when the Knights aren't producing. The eyeballs are going to be on the goals that you give up, whether it's one mistake or two. It's the life of the backup. You're going to play once every and, days and, or every two weeks. It's the way it goalies is. always play better with a little goal support. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the margin for error can't be that razor thin. Like yeah. the way. Yeah. No. And he's chased in every game he's been in. Like they never yeah. got them. They has he had a lead? Not very many, anyways. Right. And that's uh, maybe against Nashville. Nashville. He had, uh, Nashville is yeah, the yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, and we liked his game in Nashville. Yeah. Right? It was his best game. Yeah. yeah. The Sheriff Lawless, some guy named Dave Podcast. Coming to you from Andiamo, the official downtown hotel of the Vegas Golden Knights. Quick reminder for you, friends, that Bill and Carol Foley have created the Foley Food and Wine Society to celebrate three of their greatest passions. World-class wines, exceptional cuisine, and outstanding destinations. And as a member of the society, you'll have access to their entire portfolio of properties around the globe. The Foley Food and Wine Society offers an exclusive membership to join like-minded individuals who seek to experience the finer things in life. And they look forward to hosting you during... Your next visit. Well, we're going to get to the mailbag here, fellas. And uh, as always, the Golden Knights fans, hockey fans, have uh, chimed in with a, a variety of different topics, Dan. So what uh, what do you get from the mailbag this time around? Yeah, sure. First off, most of the questions have been, how's Eric Halla? And the answer is, we don't know yet. Does it uh, look great? <laughs> does it look good based on what we saw with our own two eyes? But in terms of a team announcement, Nothing has come in yeah. terms of a timetable. Unfortunately, so we, none of us are done. We don't know uh, quite yet. But uh, here's a question, and, and this is uh, pointed at Gary, and it has to do with uh, the up-and-comers. We talked about the possibility of the Knights bringing players up, and it's about where do they come from. And this is from Wes. And Wes asks, Good morning, Gary. As a newer hockey fan, I was wondering if you could touch on the different leagues under the NHL. I see teams affiliated with us, but don't fully understand the order of where a player goes before ultimately earning their shot with the Golden Knights. Well, the American Hockey League is the primary affiliate, and then... Uh, and that's and it's that's a professional league. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. The Chicago Wolves, the American Hockey League team, that's uh, where... You know, Eric Brandstrom and Nick Haig and uh, Zach Whitecloud, um, all those players are, are playing this year. And then, obviously, uh, 
there's an affiliation with uh, the Fort Wayne Comets now, and that's in the East Coast Hockey League, so one level b- below that. And then there are players that are still amateur that had been drafted by the Golden Knights that are at co- in college or in junior. The college players are untouchable. The junior players are available in an emergency situation. And we saw that last year. Dylan Ferguson. Golden Golden Knights ran out of goalies and had to recall 18-year-old Dylan Ferguson from the Kamloops Blazers uh, uh, early last year. So um, Worth noting that the three major junior leagues are the WHL. That's where Kamloops is. Then you've got the OHL and the QMJHL. Those are the three. Those are, you know, sometimes you just see HL, you see Hockey League, and it's hard to distinguish between amateur and professional. And WHL, OHL, QMJHL, those are the three Canadian. And that's where a good number of those draftees mm-hmm. come from after yeah. having played a year in that league. There you go. And players, Gary, what's, that have junior eligibility, they can. there's a window, they can play nine games. Yeah, the they, can play, they can the play NHL. nine games in the NHL and then the team, they, the team can still return them to junior, but if they do, they burn their, uh, they burn a year of their uh, entry-level contract at that point in time, and that's a, a situation most GMs don't want to get into. There is, this is interesting, the, the NHL general managers are meeting in Toronto um, on Tuesday, which is, that's today, right now. And something that has been floored or to, for discussion at those meetings is that a player in his last year of junior eligibility would be allowed to play in the American Hockey League. And then, of course, if you recalled him to the NHL, you could. Instead of finishing all of his eligibility in the Canadian, his 19 the Canadian Hockey League. Yes, uh-huh, yes. So that's something that uh, currently is not allowed for in the agreement between the Canadian Hockey League and the National Hockey League, but something that the general managers want to discuss. So, you know, Cody Glass is in the Canadian Hockey League this year. Uh, he's a 19-year-old. 19-year-old. He'd be so the perfect example. He could come and, he, you know, instead of having him play there, he could play in the American Hockey League. Now this this opens a huge can of worms because the junior teams are gonna well you know the the, the Portland that. Winterhawks where he's playing right. they're selling tickets uh, you know because Cody Glass is in their lineup um, Team Canada Hockey Canada they want Cody Glass to play for them at the uh, in the World Junior Championship which is coming up uh, at at Christmas time. Now there's no reason that he couldn't go from the American League to play in uh, in in that tournament as well. Although then the American Hockey League operator is like I got to lose this kid's lighting it up for me. I got to lose him for 2 weeks. It becomes, you know, every everybody wants what's good for them. Um, this will be something that uh, that gets discussed. I guess a lot of GMs will say, what's wrong with leaving him in junior? There's, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. He, you know, he can still develop as a player there. There is a, and then, and some kids maybe aren't mature enough to go and live, you know, in that situation with a bunch of other grown men. You know, right now, in 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 Portland, Cody's probably the most mature guy there, and he's leading the way. You put him in, uh, in a situation in the American Hockey League. And Shane went to the International Hockey League. How old were you when you got to the IHL? Oh, gosh, I spent some time in the ECHL and American Hockey League before I went there. I had to scope out a few leagues. <laughs> <laughs> I played in them all. I, I was twenty. I was twenty-two, I believe. Okay, so you were probably. Uh, oh yeah, I was you fine. were. You were more I still mature. Had living. Well, I don't know if I use that word. Let's 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 not use that word. Anyways, there's a stretch. A million arguments from a million different sides on that one. We'll see where it goes. What else you got, Dan? Well, somebody wants to know if Gary has a comment on a certain football team in Winnipeg. We might skip that one. Uh, <laughs> the bomber people? Yeah, that's that's the question. This is from uh, at Solid Pieces, who asks, at what point do you start to break up the first line? We have seen it a little bit mid-game, but when does it become an actual change? Also, can you explain the pros and cons of handedness? Lefty-righty. When playing certain positions like left wing, right wing, D, is one hand better than the other? Well, you don't have a choice of picking which hand you are. I'll start with that. Uh, you're either left-handed or right-handed. You either play your onside, which is if you're right-handed, you play right wing or right D, uh, or left wing, left D. Centerman doesn't really matter. Uh, and then you play your offside, which is the opposite, right-handed playing the left side. And there's pros and cons to both. 
uh, for a forward coming into the zone. You're in natural coming in if you're on your offside. You're on your one-time position. It's easier to get away a shot. Uh, you see the ice better uh, when you come down on your on hand as a winger. I think as a D-man, and there's more than just that. I'm just trying to think of the ones as a D-man playing your offside. There's different. Uh, there's ability to see the ice. You have to position yourself better in neutral zone for regroups. Going back for a puck uh, when you're on your offside, it's a little different turning it up. Everybody's natural, easier to turn up on their backhand. So going back on your onside makes that easier. In the offensive end for a defenseman, when you're playing your onside, it's easier to take pucks that are rimmed around the wall uh, off. But that said, if you're on your offside and you can take them on your backhand, it's easier to walk them to the middle. Um, if any of this makes sense. Well, let me ask yeah. you this. Your right-hand shot, how often did you play your offside? Uh, whenever they ask. I really... Yeah, uh, no, I, yeah, I get that. But <laughs> did you... Um, like I said, there, there's. Did you enjoy it as much? I as enjoyed it in side? certain areas. I was okay. more comfortable playing right D as a right-handed shot, but uh, there was times I moved to the left. Uh, I didn't play it much in my career, but when I did, there was there were some things I liked about it. Uh, there's some certain adjustments you have to make, um, but uh, if it meant playing more, I'll play wherever you want, uh, yeah. except goaltender. Can you do this? And, like, yeah, and I forget now what the other one was. Uh, the first part of that question. Oh, the oh, first the line. line. When do you break them up? Uh, right now, I don't think they really have enough pieces to start moving things around. I don't. We'll see. Uh, I'm not ready to completely change things around at this point. I think they just proved too much last year. And that leads to this question, which is from Brace for Xmas Kale Rolling Songs. Okay, what? Oh, That's the what, name of the happening? person. Okay. Hey, SLGND, I have a two-parter. Do the lines need some heavy shakeup to break out of this funk? And if so, where are the resources uh, for us to do that, i.e. the Wolves, the Comets, free agency, trades, etc.? If not, what we, what can we do to get back on the golden road? A trade for William Nealand. There you go. That, that'll do <laughs> there, there you go, Dave Strong. I, I suppose the, the, the crux of the question is, what are the options right now? There's, yeah, not a, there's, there's not a lot of options. There's not they're a whole limited. lot. They're within. limited. They're limited. Well, Nate Schmidt will help you on the back end, right? You're going to move pieces around yes. there, and guys, ice time's going to get back to more where, where they're, I think, at their best. Um, up front, you look at the Belmar line. Why change that? I, I think the Carlson, why change it? You've got you've to have confidence that this line, what they accomplished last year, considered one of the top lines in the league, why do you want to break them out? You've got to give them a little bit of time to work it out. The other two, well, I, I don't know... I what want to you ask do? you this. Can Marcius still play center on the second line? No. No. Okay. Okay. There Simple you go. as that. Okay. Can Marcius still play center on the first line? <laughs> I, I don't. I, no. I, I like him as a winger. Yeah. I, I, I like him as a winger. William Carlson's Big too picture. good down low. No, you, and, and well, for sure. I'm, not, I'm, I'm leaving Carlson as center on that front yeah. line and maybe moving uh, Pacioretty up to play with those guys. Marcius with Tuck. And somebody else, I'd prefer to have Eakin on the third line. And, uh, uh, you know. If you had somebody else to bring up, I can see that. Brandon Peary. Well, there's a the guy. Yep, look at what That's he so did. Could Marcia so play center is the key? Or is, is it just not? I know I, 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 I'm with you. We Dad, saw, Dan knows him better than I do saw from his Blake, background. We saw Blake Wheeler move to center for a while. He's better as a winger, but we saw him move to center for a while. He for, played it before, yeah, too. Wheeler uh, had played it. Marcia must have played some center yeah. at some point. Yeah, and and and. and We've seen him take draws with the Golden Knights, yeah, and then you also taking draws and playing in your own end. It's a very different things. thing, and yep. and it's also worth noting for the same reasons with the power play. They did take Carlson out of the first unit. Yeah. You lose your quote unquote center, but that it's not the it's same. Not the same even strength. It's, no, it's, it's yeah, about it's playing it in your own zone. Yeah. That's the that because you watch Carl Carlson and Marshall so switch off as the center. Yeah, and Smith, all three of them, kind of in the offensive zone. They it's it's who's right. closest. I'd have to yeah. dig right? into my uh, minor yeah. league. Archives to answer that question, that, it's but just I don't that think I, thought of in terms I don't. I don't of, see him playing. That to me, I'd he want him to seem do. like a centerman at this no, level. Okay. No, I All and right. I, I and I would say at the American League that was the case too. Yeah. What about Smith? I'm just looking for more depth down the middle. Uh, to me, right now, there's well. A, you've got Lindbergh, no sicker centerman. You got Lindbergh, who's a center. Yeah. You got Eakin. I know that's yeah. not the answer, but there's yeah. your yeah. natural centerman. I, I, I need I need a guy that also brings the right offense to that second line. Yeah, and I so I and I'm wow. all right now at this stage, Gary. I'm all for Alex Tuck. You know, and I, I don't. I'm not. 
you know, you understand the waiver situation much better than I would, but it's worth a look at a couple of guys from, yeah. from Chicago right now. It, it's something, something's going to change. How much, and this is the question from uh, Mike at H2POE, how much can Schmidt's return help the forwards get going offensively? Yeah, well, we've touched on this yeah. a lot earlier in the show, but uh, Shane can... I think, well, I don't, it's a lot to put on one guy. Can he change the, the whole look? I think he's going to certainly help them. To what extent? I don't know until he's playing. He, he He's, you know, and, and, and that said, let's not expect big things. And he's been out of hockey for a long yeah. time. He hasn't played a game. It's not going to, you know, maybe it'll look good for a bit, but I expect there to be a bit of a hump for him to get over here, whether it's the first, second, or third game, right? It's going to take him a week to get back to pace. But he does help. His ability to shut, cut off plays defensively, and then turn it into offense in a clean breakout helps forwards. Forwards want the puck. As a D-man, the quicker you can get it to them, well, you can get them in stride without them having to run around in their own end, the happier they are. Not that- an easy situation for him. Right. Hasn't played for the, you know, at the whole, he's catching up for the whole league. Mm-hmm. You know, you can skate, he was in Austria, it's, it's all great. Playing games and missing the first 20 and he's jumping in where everyone's been going for a month and a half. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're right, you maybe he plays, you know, so he's got the trip, right? Um, Edmonton, Calgary, Arizona. Maybe those three games, it's on adrenaline alone, right? And he's back. But to your point, where is he? You know the, yeah. the game, the Black yeah. Friday game. You know the, the first home game. For Took him, Alex maybe, Tuck but. a couple of games, yes. and he only yeah, missed absolutely. eight. Yes, absolutely. Right, and and Alex, you know, well, he's obviously done very well. But let me just ask this, Shane: When Schmidt does come back, do we see the pairs as McNabb and Schmidt right away, and then Theodore and England so. and Miller and Holden? That would be what I would. That would be my guess. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, you try. You want to make him as familiar and comfortable as possible coming back. And yeah. last year, that was Braden McNabb. Yeah. All right, we got time for a couple more, Dan. Here's uh, here's one that comes from uh, Justin Ingham, Ingram, who asks, "What's it like flying on the team airplane, Gary?" Oh well, because of my seatmate, it's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> I was hoping you'd say something like that. Well, good. It was, it was really good on the trip back from uh, Boston to Vegas because you slept the whole way, and I was uh, left to my own devices. No, just uh, it, I was happy when you're sleeping. I, I was trying to watch a documentary. This is on my a good iPad question and... for Dan and Gary. Dave and I have been fortunate enough to be doing this yes. for 19 years, so you guys. Can... I, I'll tell you what. I used, the heck out of a to, bus. I used to have to. I used to have to. I rode the bus for 10. So years, did I? Yeah. Uh, and then I, in the, my first few years in, in the the NHL covering the NHL I worked for well up until last year I worked for a media outlet so I didn't have access to a team charter so uh, you played catch-up right you'd cover the team and then the team would get on the plane at 11 o'clock and fly to wherever they were going you'd finish your story and then you'd go back to the hotel sleep till four in the morning and then get a, an uber to the airport to catch a six o'clock flight to get to the next city and by day two or three of the trip, you were absolute mush. What, what's the expression? Uh, rambling mush of incoherence. <laughs> that's what uh, that's what you would be by day two or three. So of the what's trip, your excuse with that when you, you're on charter? Well, <laughs> hanging out with you too. Hanging out with you in the lobby bar too long. Uh, oh boy, it's uh, it's it's fantastic. It's yeah. not. I tell people it's not the real world. No, no, exactly. in any way, shape, or form. No, the hardest decision you have to make is steak or lobster. That's right. I, I missed that flight. <laughs> what was the lobster? No, it's, it's, I wouldn't have missed the lobster. No, no, no. Here's just a few more. These uh, come directly from at Golden Knights. What is Shane's favorite pair of socks? Favorite pair of socks? That's what the Golden Knights really? want to know. What is Shane Knighty's favorite pair of socks? I don't know if I have a favorite pair. You have a favorite costume? I have a favorite. Uh, no, I don't. Favorite. I got to stick to the question. My favorite okay. pair of socks. You know what? I actually had these really, uh, I, I must have got them for Christmas from someone, but uh, running socks. They're actually like kind of workout specific socks. I like thin socks. So even when I played, my favorite socks are thin, uh, next to nothing. And now I know there's special Kevlar and everything. So my favorite socks are, I, I, I'm going to go to when I played, I like the really thin sock. But no specific design. And, and tall. No specific okay. design. Well, they're in that when I wear my suits, I like colorful socks. Uh, yes. So we all do. We, we know this. Okay. Yeah. Is there a song Dave Gosher can't sing? <laughs> no. No, yeah. not really. Every of them. No. All of them. You can make an argument. None of them are sang very well. <laughs> and you'd probably be right. No, I, I give it a the the, the, the the old college try on most of them. I would say any, the falsetto any, in gear for know, most songs, even anything, if it doesn't call for he it. He can't sing anything after 1989. 
Get into the 90s and I'm a bit foggy. The, the hip-hop isn't your thing? Uh, no, not Classic not rock, though. The classic rock and uh, some country. All right. Classic rock. You got yeah, some big ear. Well, for yeah, me, no. the, be- the better part of his... Uh, Karaoke is what he leads into, and he's like, uh, "We got a rock block this weekend on KROX, <laughs> oh, yeah, the Rock of Los Angeles." Oh, when he does his yeah, yeah this morning he, uh, he invents- request weekend on ninety five five KLOS, the Rock of Los Angeles. I, I, I like when you throw your, you, you got to throw your, uh, your, your 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 initials in there. WDCG, yeah, KDCG out here, and then random people who don't know you think, "Do you work in radio?" Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we were in an Uber in St. Louis. You won Uber. Passenger of the week. And, I'm so happy about that. Uh, Amy, I believe the young lady's name was, and Shane has got a bunch of songs loaded up on his phone, and he just keeps hitting them. And Dave is just, singing the first few verses, <laughs> and then he's doing his his DJ routine. And uh, uh, we get out of the, we're getting out of the Uber, and the woman says, "I gotta say." You are the best passenger, and I'm literally thinking of, to say of all time, yeah, right. of the year. She goes, I've had this week. <laughs> he, 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 a seven-day period was, so was, was his It was on ride. Monday. Yeah. It was a Monday, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sure I didn't hang in there. Because yeah. I was singing to her, Amy, what you want to do? That's what I do. I, if we meet people, Amanda, Mandy, Amy, you know what I mean? You, you start to sing a song. He's got a like. three-name rookie. Yeah, Sherry. Sherry's a popular one. I've heard every once in a while. Sadly, as far as we know, it wasn't recorded. Yes. No. Well, a lot of these oh, things boy, are. Yeah. Probably should never the see Uber the light of Uber, Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Here's one. It, uh, what's Dan Duva's favorite kind of sandwich? Uh, not hot dogs, because that's not a sandwich, as we decided, Gary. Uh, <laughs> I haven't decided that. I agree. I agree. <laughs> Meat, bread, I thought they were going to ask. I thought they were going to ask pastries. You don't see a hot dog Would under sandwiches forever. on a menu. It was simply. I'll answer the question by saying an, an Italian sandwich <laughs> yeah, is great. There's a there's a great deli in the Bronx called Mike's. They make great sandwiches. All right. All right. There you go. And uh, lastly. This is a terrible question. How is Gary? <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll throw that to it's you guys. What? How is Gary? We I don't, don't understand have, what that means. We don't means. have that much time. Like, how is Gary? Yes. Gary. Gary He's there. <laughs> <laughs> The he insider. Is, he is. I'll stay quiet. I'll let you guys answer. He is the same in real life as he is on the air. That's right. Jack of all trades, a little writing. You can do it all. Always entertaining. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And he is entertaining. It's a dynamite drop in, Gary. He is is entertaining. I don't know. What do you want me to say? Yeah. He's Something a funny. He's an original. <laughs> How about this. that? He's an original. Uh, not right. many. I don't know, you know anything about many, know like the, him, many know the persona, not many know the person. Yeah, there you go. I, there there it is. a good way to put it. It's not bad. That is good. That is good. You don't know anybody else like him, do you? No, we are, I like how we're we are, talking like he's not sitting We there. are privileged. <laughs> privileged to sit at the same table as Gary, and I've had a delight sharing uh, the radio booth with Gary even more this year than last year. I'm a donkey, but I've got a good heart. Yeah, Let's leave it at that. Donkey's a good word. I like that. Donkey's a good word. That's all. That's all. I've used the other term than donkey, yeah. but uh, <laughs> what's what is a donkey in the in the dictionary? Well, <laughs> takes one yeah. to know yeah. one. Yeah. There you go. That's great. That's all well, for the mailbag. That's Nate. a holiday spirit, folks. <laughs> so that's it for the mailbag. That's it for the podcast. Uh, so our thanks to our friends here at Andiamo. Uh, great steakhouse here at the D Hotel. Sheriff Lawless, Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Another one in the books. We'll talk to you next time.